Haley. Yes. We're doing House of Gucci for Toxic Relationship Month. Ooh. But discretion is key. Understood. Father, son, House of Beagle. That's right. We watched House of Gucci. <sighs> so you know what that means. It's in the basket. The writer's bagel basket. I don't consider myself a particularly ethical person, but I am fair. What I cannot wrap my head around is people who steal just for ego or the pleasure of it, for personal satisfaction. Tear me apart, Lisa! Oh, dang. I'm so excited! I'm so scared! Oh, no. Hey, would you mind putting that gun away? My wife doesn't care, but I'm a very timid fellow. You idiot. Don't be mean. We don't have to be mean. Because, remember, no matter where you go, there you are. Hi, welcome to Writer's Bagel Basket. I'm Scott Carlin. Hi. <laughs> and we continue Baby Don't Hurt Me Month, which if you're new to the podcast, every month we do a different theme. This month is for Toxic Relationship Months to follow the wonderful month of February and all the love. So we got the most Toxic Relationship Month, and with me is my wife. Yep. Hi, it's me again. <laughs> so Haley, what... What is House of Gucci? You're in a blockbuster well, you know, video store. What does the back of the box <laughs> say? I just want to say we've been watching a lot of Love is Blind. Mm -hmm. um, and this movie was like, instead of the wall already existing between the two people, it's like slowly watching someone build a wall <laughs> <laughs> between yourself and that person. Ugh. And then busting through the wall. Like the Kool-Aid man? Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Except the Kool-Aid man is an assassin. <laughs> so is that your blockbuster rule? Someone watching Love is Blind? Oh, my God. Is the Kool-Aid man a hitman? <laughs> oh, yeah. See? That's his catchphrase. Yeah. He murders someone and he says, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's that's why his color is red. It's filled with blood. That picture's not filled with Kool-Aid. So we originally were going to do a different movie. Yes. And then yesterday they released to rent on streaming House of Gucci. And Haley said, ooh. It was more like a, yeah, I got nothing else going on. <laughs> yes. Originally we were going to do Spencer. And, and yeah. Instead, we watched this and we're like, no, we got to do this. Yeah, Spencer was really crazy, but it was also very sad. And upsetting. And very, yeah, very upsetting. And that would have just been us for 90 minutes being really sad. Also, it's just like, at least the way she's depicted in the movie, which I do not agree with, like they, like they show her as someone who's descending into madness. Whereas this, it's just... A bunch of people doing bad Italian accents. <laughs> they don't even sound like Italian accents. It sounds like Plotsylvanian accents. Wearing, it sounds like like moose and squirrel. Oh yeah, exactly. Wearing over the top, um, overpriced clothing, and it felt like Jared Leto's like this is the outfits they wouldn't let me wear when I played the Joker. So I'm gonna wear them now. Yeah, 
when I look like Ron Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a bunch of people scheming each other out of other people's money. Yeah, and it's it's not good. And like everyone who's like, oh, this should have been nominated for so many Oscars. I'm like, did you oh, see no. the trailer? Is that what you're basing the trailer? it on? Is that what you're basing it on? <laughs> the trailer? <laughs> the trailer? Yeah. Because um, the biggest snub that people are saying is that Lady Gaga did not get nominated for an Oscar. And I'm like, did you not see the movie? Yeah. <laughs> I love that we're making our decisions based on trailers now. Yeah. It, and my biggest beef with the movie is when we were, after this, we watched a few videos, behind the scenes stuff, and Lady Gaga did not prepare. And, no. And shocking, for actors, they're supposed to, the, the acting book is called An Actor Prepares. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like no i'm not gonna do any research i'm not yeah i don't like this person is a murderer which fair enough patricia gucci is a murderer um but but charlie theron when she played uh eileen warnos she did a ton of research she watched all the documentaries she, she well like hot Lamode said the problem is that her her uh reasoning behind why she opted not to speak to Patrizia was that, um, you know, she didn't want to give Patrizia a platform in a movie all about Patrizia. Getting a platform. Getting a platform. And, like, the entire focus pretty much is on Patrizia. Yes. And, like, the book that the movie is based on is, you know, from what I understand, really detailed and goes into like the whole history of the House of Gucci, not just Patricia, but from its like founding and all of the crazy stuff that went down because there's apparently a lot. Yes. And well, um, if she didn't want to talk to Patricia, that's fine. But she could have watched the Dateline or the 2020 yeah, interviews. But like like, like um, Hot Lamo said, like there's so many interesting moments that they just threw out the window. They're just like, nope, we don't need this. Bye bye. And, and and this is from Ridley moments, Scott. Yeah, and they're moments that are like so much better and more interesting than what they depict in the movie. And the casting is really not great. There's only one person who I think was properly cast. And that was Al Pacino. Yeah. My God. But are Holy we surprised? Shit. I'm wearing sunglasses. I just realized... I have. I still have yet to do the blockbuster role. You kind of did. You said it, it's basically Love Is Blind, but in reverse. And they're putting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, basically, in summary, uh, this is the story of Maurizio Gucci falling in love with Patrizia, and she worms her way into the house of Gucci and destroys it from within. Yes, and don't forget, his father Scar tells him to be prepared. Yeah. Well, he does. <laughs> Can we talk about Jeremy Irons? Jeremy Irons. Like, uh, the, the, the. I love Jeremy Irons. He's a very talented actor. But the amount of, of him doing but, an Italian accent is him going, buongiorno. And then he goes, oh, for love, for fuck's <laughs> sake. My God. Maurizio, she just wants your money. Like, yeah. It, That's you my know, Jeremy if you want to watch someone give up on an accent halfway through every line, watch this movie. <laughs> Paolo. Oh, my. Aldo. Oh, there we are. 
for fuck's sake. <laughs> I was an actor once. I have two Oscars. <laughs> I don't need this. Yeah, but those are 90s Oscars. Paolo, I always knew you were a waste of space. <laughs> yeah, that's when he basically, like, I'm not the biggest Jared Leto fan, but when he when he basically eviscerates him, it feels mean. I They made me feel bad for Jared Leto in this movie. Yeah, he's the Fredo Corleone of this movie, but still, everyone is way too mean to him. Yeah, it, you know, well... So characters, we have uh, Rodrigo, I think his name is. Yes, uh, Rodrigo Gucci. Yeah. Who Uh, is played by Jeremy Irons. Yep, Jeremy Irons. And then we have Aldo, who's played by... Alfredo Pacino. Yes. (laughs) We have Maurizio, played by Adam Driver. We have Patrizia, played by uh, (laughs) Lady Lady Gaga. Gaga. And we have... Uh, Paolo Gucci, Paolo. played by Academy Award winner Jared Leto. Uh, I'm just going to drop the bomb. Uh, he was nominated for a Razzie for the performance, by the way. I I don't think Jared Leto's very talented. Oh, my God. I just realized, am I Rodrigo right now? Uh, <laughs> no, there, there's one role that you and I both agree he's really good in. Okay, what role is that? That was Blade Runner 2049. Oh, yeah. But that's yeah. because he was forced to by Denis Villeneuve. He's like, no, please do yeah, it again. Yeah, you're at a 10. I need you to take it to like a 2. Yeah, and... That performance is very subdued, very quiet, but there's like a menace to it. None of his other acting jobs since I feel like have... You know, there are two good Jared Leto performances in the 90s when he was on my so-called life and then when he was in Blade Runner. And that is it. It just seems like he has taken the phrase over the top and made it his personal mantra. Never confuse shit with chocolate. They may look the same, but the taste very different. Trust me. I know. Hold my beer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, hold my beer. Wait a minute. You didn't like me as the Joker? Hold my beer. I'm playing Ron Jeremy. You're playing Paolo Gucci. I'm playing Paolo Gucci. (laughs) And I know Paolo is supposed to be kind of like the black sheep of the family. I mean, the the final lines for what happened to his character is he died in poverty. (laughs) Yeah. In 1995. And he was kind of seen as the eccentric. I showed you the photos of Paolo. He looked nothing like they made him look like for. No. No. Again, I I think. He looked more like just... Rafe Fiennes than, than like. Yeah. Yeah. He looked very unkempt for someone who is a member of the House of Gucci. Yeah. Like he, he makes his own clothes, which is fine. And then when. When. They take away, I guess, his his needles, his knitting needles to knit his own clothing. He then starts wearing starter jackets. They just slowly take away, like, his sewing machine, his his needlepoint, his embroidery. (laughs) Wait a minute. Then what am I supposed to wear? Here. Here's the Charlotte Hornet starter jacket. That's what he wears when he picks up Al Pacino from prison. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 
I wanted Al Pacino to be like, it's all windbreakers from here on out. Yeah, there's only okay. So there are only two actors in this movie who are actually Italian. You have Al Pacino. Yep. And you have Lady Gaga. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and one of them is they doing both... a good job. I and can't believe... one of these things is not like the other. I can't believe that the person who is doing the best job in this movie is Al Pacino. You, I can. Uh, did you not see him in Jack and Jill when he goes, I decided to change my name from Al to Dunk. Dunkachino. And he starts doing Dunkin' Donuts commercials. I stand corrected. <laughs> How about when he was performing a play in Boston and afterwards he knocked on the door of a restaurant that was closing up, forced his way in, asked them to make something that is not on the menu, and then didn't pay. You know, it pays to be an eccentric. <laughs> Except if you're Paolo Gucci, then it, does, it, it pays nothing. But I want to know what that food he asked for was. I want a grilled cheese with a crust cut off. <laughs> Can you make me tomato soup? We, we we can make you a breakfast sandwich, sir. <laughs> it was it was like a fancy steakhouse, and he asked for something like that they didn't have that was super basic. Wait, I thought you said it was Dunkin' Donuts. No, no, that that was from Jack and Jill. Oh, oh no, okay. A year after he made Jack and Jill, he was doing a play in Boston, and he like knocked on the door of a fancy steakhouse that was closing up and forced his way. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, good old Al Pacino, Michael Corleone at his finest. <laughs> I would like a roast chicken with a thick crust of fruity pebbles. <laughs> Sir, we don't have any of those things. We have steak and fish. <laughs> Are you a restaurant or aren't you? <laughs> and, like, the plot of the movie is... Patrizia finds out that he's a Gucci. They they meet at a party and then she stalks him for 20 minutes till yeah. he asks her out on a date. Yeah. As soon as so we get a little bit of backstory, just a smidge, a sprinkling, a taste if you will. Uh Patrizia works for her father's business and he is in transportation for Italy. I mean, he waste seems to management. Be, yeah, but he seems to be successful. They hint at it that he's kind of mafia. I mean, <laughs> look at this time period in Italy. I know, I know, and and they what wasn't run by the mafia? Th- they have a throw a lane, uh, a throw a lane. They have a throwaway line of dialogue where he goes, "Oh, you're getting good at forging my signature. Pay attention to that because it's going to come yeah. back later." foreshadowing much yeah but we don't hear about it for 29 minutes you know i'm gonna tell a story and i need you to pretend that this this is a parallel universe where you haven't heard this story before okay uh patrizia when she uh finds out that he is a gucci and there's no indication beforehand that she knows what a like what gucci is she thinks he's the bartender. Yeah. The, like, she's not, like, staring, like, through a Gucci window like uh, Audrey Hepburn in Breakfast at Tiffany's. She's not eating gelato while staring longingly at, like, a leather skirt. <laughs> a handbag. Yeah, a handbag. Those weird loafers that you're not allowed to wear shoes in. Yeah. That I mean, have the gold in. leaf in them, apparently. Yes. Oh, these people lead different lives. <laughs> but 
when she looks at Maurizio after the name Gucci is uttered, the look on her face reminds me of when, well, the whole arc of her story really just reminds me of that time that I was walking in a stream and I look down because I feel a tickle on my foot and there's this giant leech (laughs) sucking on my foot. And when I say giant, I mean like comically large leech. Like Chuck Jones cartoon? Yes. Looney Tunes style? Exactly. And like to the point where you could see the teeth. And she apparently unleashed her hundreds. I I apologize for everyone out there who's about to hear this story. It's horrifying, but I'm going to tell it anyway. Uh, She unleashed her hundreds of babies onto my foot. As to the point where my foot, <laughs> it looked like I had gotten a tan <laughs> on my foot. And I just ran around in circles, screaming for dear life, like a girl uh, in a horror movie. <laughs> and the killer is catching up to her. <laughs> I'm running in my nightgown down the street. I'm wearing heels for no apparent reason. <laughs> And I've stumbled over nothing. <laughs> and but, that's Patrizia Renan. Uh, yes. That's Patrizia. Yes. But he, I got rid of that leech faster than Maurizio gets rid of Patrizia. And he's like the shyest, sweetest boy in the beginning. He, well, from what I understand of the book, from the research that we did too, I mean, he was, you know, kind of conniving. A little bit. Yeah. But like he might have started off more reserved. Like I think he just kept his cards closer to his vest. Right. But he was fine with like being in poverty. Because there is a moment when when Jeremy Adams is like, son, if you marry her. In in the movie. That's the case. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because he gets if we play- go if we go by the movie. Yes. He he was fine with. Living his life outside of washing the house trucks of and having tickle fights with the other men. Yeah, <laughs> there's literally a scene where he's hosing men off and they're hosing him off, and then they start tickling each other. Yeah, <sighs> you Rid- know what? It's okay. cute. It's I, cute. I gotta say this because Ridley Scott has made almost thirty films. Yep, and only ten of them are good. <laughs> Blade Runner, Alien, Thelma and Louise, Gladiator. There's some other ones. But... I mean, it's not a bad, you know, run there. But he's had more flops. He had two films that flopped back to back this year. He had yeah. The Last Duel and this. I didn't hate The Last Duel. <laughs> I know, but but like. I really didn't. I thought it was actually quite good. But I'm saying he shouldn't have like. Depressing, but good. He he shouldn't have a career anymore because he had two films that fail a month apart. Mm. <sighs> yeah. Th- this podcast is just going to be me going, <sighs> like, a I, lot. I'll say this. Like, the, what he has produced that's good is very, very, very good. And what he makes that's bad is very, very, oh, very Match bad. Oh, Matchstick Man. Matchstick Man was really good. But... That was almost 20 years ago. <laughs> and here we are now 
watching House of Gucci, where the choices that every actor decides to make is so over the top. And there is literally a sex scene between Lady Gaga and Adam Driver. I mean, I wasn't sure who was killing who in that scene. It was so upsetting. This this movie ends with the murder, and I thought the murder was happening much earlier in the film. Because, like, if anyone's seen Twilight Breaking Dawn Part 1 and when they're in Brazil on their honeymoon, yeah, it's kind of like that. <laughs> yeah, except all of the aggression was taken out on the bed. And this... That desk was like, what are you doing to me? <laughs> Please stop. I'm just for accounting. I don't deserve this. That's what we call crunching numbers, Scott. (laughs) Oh, God. That literally made me gag. (laughs) And I, I love that they're trying to be like, hey, look, Lady Gaga can be a sex symbol like Sophia Loren. Yeah, we know that. Why are you trying to tell us stuff we already know? Is I don't think that the message of this is that, you know, Lady so, Gaga is a so, sex symbol. So when I was watching some videos on like the costuming, they're like, yes, when she had to be in her lingerie, we, we took inspiration from Sophia Loren. And I'm like, OK. And then they're like, yeah. And then Sophia Loren wore this type of thing. I'm like, OK, we get it. Well, I think the message there is that Sophia Loren wore a lot of Gucci. Yes. So, of course, they're going to draw inspiration from her. Because she was the one who modeled the clothes, wore the clothes on, you know. So they're taking from that history. I know. And infusing that into Patricia's character. I know. But before I watched this movie, I liked Lady Gaga. And after watching this movie, I don't like Lady Gaga anymore. Because her performance was fine. But it was finding out that she refused to do any research. She refused to read the book. Yeah, she said this book is full of opinions. Yeah, so I threw it out. But as Hotlamode wisely pointed out, your entire performance is based on your opinion. Yes. And at least the book is based in fact. It would be like someone playing Bruce Wayne in a Batman movie and being like, I don't believe his parents are dead. Yeah. No. His parents were gunned down in front of him. That's why he became Batman. No, I think they're alive and he still talks to them every day. Yeah. And the lines that she comes up with, like, you know, father, son, house of Gucci. I don't consider myself an ethical person, but I am fair. Yeah. She improvised all this. Right. Um, as we learned, there's so many better lines that the character, that character, the, the uh, real life, Patrizia. the real life Patrizia actually said, like she said, it's better to cry in a Rolls Royce than be smiling on a bicycle. Yes. Which is ironic because Maurizio died right in front of his bicycle. Yeah. <laughs> Which I, okay. This you said, I love how you said died right in front of his bicycle. Like the bicycle was like, no. Like it's the bicycle thief and the bicycle like ride me now. Who will ding my bell? <laughs> I got these little baseball cards on the sides. I they go in the spokes of all the fashion in this movie. The only thing that I've learned is that some people put things around their ankles to keep their pants from snagging into the bike chain. Yeah, 
<laughs> I was like, what are those? <laughs> we learned that together because I was like, no. And for a movie about like very fashionable people, they did not dress like they were fashionable people. Pacino is the only one. Yeah. Like every <laughs> every scene with, with Adam Driver, and I love Adam Driver. I love Adam Driver to death. But every scene with him, he looks like any one of my uncles wearing a nice button-up shirt and a nice blazer. He doesn't look like like the height of fashion. <laughs> He looks like a family member. <laughs> when you say family member, like, what do you mean? Just like, you know. Like, like any, any like, dad who's going to play golf. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, he, he looks like a normal yeah. person. He doesn't look like a person who has, like, a $20 billion I empire mean, of fashion. he becomes more fashionable, I guess, as the movie goes on. Does like his he? Suit, yeah, his suits get better. Um, he, what about that James Bond ski suit? <laughs> And I guess that's to showcase the, you know, the journey that Maurizio takes, like where he's, you know, he starts out where he's at a distance from the Gucci family. And then as Patrizia digs her claws in deeper and, you know, drags him back into the family. I still don't think he looked fashionable. Uh, I don't. I mean, I like I can see that the materials become richer yeah um you know you've got your linens you got your wools you got your silks but of the businessmen the one who dressed the best and looked like he should be running gucci was uh domenico is jack houston's character his business i know who you're talking yeah Yeah. he's the one who who looked the most like the person who should be running Gucci. Yeah. He had these nice black suits and he looked great. And then Pacino comes in wearing his blazer like a cape. Mm. And I was like, okay, why isn't Rodrigo, why isn't Jeremy Irons or Pacino wearing a cape? Yeah. It's just very fitting that we chose. The The other reason we chose this movie is because, you know, typically for this month, you focus on a relationship and how, awful it is Uh, yeah how toxic it is this movie is filled with toxic relationships it starts with with within the first five minutes it lets you know that the relationship between um adam driver and jeremy irons is so toxic well it doesn't come across that way to me at least like as soon as when look on adam driver's face yeah as soon as he says move in with her fuck her just don't marry her. The look on his face is like he's been hearing this stuff his whole life and he wants to take a risk. Mm. I mean, we get so much more information from that Hot Lamode video. Yes. About the relationship between Rodrigo and his father, the founder of Gucci, who was a horrible person. That would have been a better movie. Yeah. Like the way he swindled his children out of their own fortunes and treat the way he treated Rodrigo and the legacy that he founded, but also at the simultaneously like destroyed for his children. Honestly, in my opinion, there is only one person who could have made this movie and that is Francis Ford Coppola or maybe Scorsese, two people like people who have made movies that, or even like Sofia Coppola. Sofia Coppola, I'm just thinking of people who have done movies about like like 
the mafia as a business. And I'm thinking of movies or uh, directors. The reason I name drop Sofia Coppola is because you have movies like Marie Antoinette. And The Playing Ring. Yeah, and The Bling Ring where fashion is like the focus of mm-hmm. those movies. And so in a movie about the House of Gucci, you would think that that would be, you know, the primary focus yeah, and it's of not. the movie. It's not. You can still tell the story of the House of Gucci and include these characters and make it just as compelling and interesting. But because the history didn't. <laughs> the history is so interesting and crazy and over the top. Also, the book is so thick that like this should have been a mini series. This yeah. should have been a Netflix or yeah. for or an HBO Max original. Like this should have been a mini series. Yeah. Then you would have had like eight hours, four episodes to tell whatever the hell you wanted. I'm not saying directors should never take creative liberties because I do think you can get some great scenes out of taking creative liberties. Anything Edgar Wright has done. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But in this movie, it's just like the creative liberties that they took were wasted. Ridley Scott was not the person to make this. Yeah. I think you were right with Sofia Coppola. I think I'm right with Francis Ford Coppola. I mean, he hasn't made a movie in 35 years. Like, yeah. Like someone, someone who knows this world Ridley Scott is is a stuffy British this is a story that is like Godfather-esque in its you know material yes oh Scorsese yeah or you know Todd Phillips wants to be Scorsese Todd Phillips like someone who who knows crime oh even Denis Denis would have been good too yeah, but Denise making much well, he was better making, stuff. He was making Dune at the time. <laughs> but like, or just an, anyone who is working for HBO Max right now who does any of their yeah. docu This should have been, been a docu-series. Yeah, this should have been a docu-series or a mini-series. It, it's not a movie. Yeah, you just could have so many arcs, individual arcs, that would have been better suited to a mini-series. It was either... This one or the last duel? One of these was filmed way before quarantine. Was filmed in I think 2020. I think it was this one, and then they waited until this year. And they they're like, oh, we're gonna release it in November. And Ridley Scott's like, but I have the last duel coming out in October. And they're like, well, you snooze, you lose. And he's like, but I made both movies. <laughs> <laughs> like this is an example of a movie that overshone. A better movie. Last Duel did not get the attention it deserved because of this. Mm. Talk about a toxic relationship. Yeah. And going back to toxic relationships. Yes. Let's talk more about Patrizia and Maurizio. Yes. Um, I think the fact that they make him so meek in the beginning. Yeah. Just sets a tone for him that when he's doing these things, when he's backstabbing, it's like, no, that it's kind of like Seymour in in Little Shop. It's like, no, we we don't think he's bad. I think it would just be more interesting to give him more of his own agency and still show that someone like Patrizia can come along, still get her claws in him. And it would be so much more compelling. Like you think because it's like then you would wonder how much of this 
is Patrizia and how much of it is Maurizio's own ambition. This is why they need to bring back the Shakespearean soliloquy or the aside where where an actor just talks to the camera so you get their opinion. Mm. Or they could have done the Goodfellas thing and everyone has like a monologue, like her and him have contradicting monologues like in Goodfellas. I mean, I can't speak to that. I, I, I haven't seen those movies, so. I showed you Goodfellas. You fell asleep. Well, then I didn't really <laughs> see it then, did I? <laughs> I believe it opened up with, ever since I was a Don't little boy. Don't you know, Scott, that I absorb movies even when I'm in REM? <laughs> I think it opened up with, with ever since I was a little boy, I always wanted to be a wise guy. And then, <laughs> Haley, this is the part where he wants to join the mafia. Sounds about right. <laughs> but, like, if they had... I just don't believe that... S- a person like Maurizio needs to be entirely meek. I, I don't think Adam Driver was the right person for this for role. Some, for like to tell a story about a woman manipulating her way into a family and then destroying that family from the inside out. Yeah. Once again, I don't think Adam Driver was the right person for this role. Yeah. I, I think he is a better verbal actor doing doing the internalizing we can't really tell what he's feeling or thinking. Yeah. We needed he's like just a, very bland. We needed a Tom Hardy. He's so bland. We needed a Tom Hardy. We needed a uh who are other good actors? <laughs> Clint Eastwood. <laughs> Ninety year old Clint it Eastwood would, as Mauricio. Sch- Patricia's scheming would come across as much more impressive, I guess, if you can call it that. If Maurizio had his own sense of agency and yeah. if he was a little bit more wise to the goings on around him. Yeah. And we don't get that until like the last 20 minutes of the movie when they're trying to get him out of Gucci. It's like, just like he's he's like a little boat that's being carried out with the tide. Yes. It's just like he's there. We see him moving. Along yeah. with the plot, but he's not really doing anything. He's just kind of there. Well, part of the problem is that Adam Driver was prepping for Last Duel and getting into that character. So he just thought that it, it seems to me, I don't know this for sure, but it seems to me that he was like, oh, this this character can be on autopilot. I got to prepare for this other character. Yeah, this character is supposed to be very meek. And the other character I'm playing is like an aggressive asshole let me be on my motorcycle mm. like like all the scenes where he's riding either a motorcycle or or a vespa or a bike he seems to be the happiest in this yeah. vroom, vroom. i want to get away oh we need to talk about the music in this movie because yeah i i Really? Because I still feel like we haven't talked enough about their relationship. We'll get back to it. Okay. But, we'll put a pin in it. But they, they try to use the music to set a tone. And guess what? All of the music is from the wrong decade and wrong time period. It's like having... Yeah, we tried to look it up as the movie was, you know, as we were watching the movie. And... <sighs> it doesn't sync up. The time periods don't add up. Yeah, they don't add up or they're just slightly off. And also just... The music itself doesn't work. Yeah. It really pulls you out of they play, the movie. They play an arrhythmic song that is from like the mid 80s at the end of the 70s. 
Yeah. It doesn't are they try Like, are they trying to carry us into the 80s? Well, I... I mean, you could argue that that's what they're doing, but I... But it's still five years after the 80s happens, and they play they play George Michael's Faith at the wedding that took place in 1979. Faith came out in 88. It's just... It doesn't... Weird choice after weird choice. It's like making a really, you know, uh, McCarthyism drama, and you set it to Steal My Sunshine by Len. I know there's this, like trend that's been around for a very long time where you take a movie that's you know takes place earlier than mm-hmm. the music and they're using modern music to further emphasize i mean uh, uh oh, oh god a, a knight's death. tale An- yeah but a knight's tale is a really good example of that working right but that's because it's a fictionalized story and also it's set in like medieval times that like it's like oh it this is fantastical because, you know, he would be a rock star. Yeah. It's more of a commentary on the rock star aspect of that story. Yeah. Like, if you want this to make sense by doing, like, future music, it'd be like, oh, okay, well, we're going to play space music. <laughs> yeah. It's just, I feel like directors are taking liberties with that trend. It, they are. And it's, and it's- using it in a way that just does not work at all. Well, Ridley Scott's like, oh, I can be a Guardians of the Galaxy. Like, yeah. Yeah. The only person who is good at doing but it is James But that works in Gunn. Guardians of the Galaxy because that's the mu- music he enjoyed as a child. Right. Right. But James Gunn also does it for like Suicide Squad and Peacemaker and it still works. Yeah. But here, here it distracts. I guess it's supposed to be telling their love story, like he's having faith in Patrizia. I don't even think you need to read that much into it. Well, you know, they play the rain song when it's raining outside. So, like, <laughs> that's why I think they needed to have Steal My Sunshine it's by Len. simultaneously two on the nose and completely off the mark. I mean, that's the problem that I have with the, the Pam and Tommy miniseries is all the songs that they use in it is from like the early 2000s i'm like this takes place in the 90s like this doesn't make sense steal my sunshine didn't come out then it's like me whenever i make food yes i can put as many ingredients as i want into it i can put as many eggs and you know milk and it'll still somehow come out completely dry Haley, why isn't the sauce sticking to the pasta I don't know. You know, there are a great many mysteries in the culinary world that have yet to be explored, Scott. I have found a new frontier. But they also, like, really don't go into the destruction of their relationship. Like, he's he basically gets caught by, uh, I guess it's the Italian police for forging. It's just a series of people fucking each other over. Right. Within this family. So first, Paolo... Feels like his dad's not listening. Yeah, and Patricia notices that, like, she, oh, God, this is long game the movie for Patricia. I mean, she's trying to Lady Macbeth at all. Yeah, very much so. Stop, you're going to make me. You're going to make me cry. Nobody has ever said that to me. Nobody. Paolo, why don't you have your own line? These are just mock-ups. I can't afford to get serious. With your gift and your talent and your vision. Are you kidding? 
Gucci needs new blood. Goodbye, 1930s. Hello, 80s. Huh? She's really bad at it. <laughs> and she took a bit of a gamble because in the movie, uh, it's very clear Maurizio wants really nothing to do with his family's legacy. He makes a point, like there's a line in the movie where they're driving away from the party and he's like, that's just not me. Yeah. I'm not this macho, aggressive, yeah. you know, type. And, and how does she get her way? <laughs> well. <laughs> it rhymes with schmacks. But. Yeah. She, yeah. Yeah. But. <laughs> I think it's very just poignant that she goes to a party. The first time we see her, she's going to a party dressed as Elizabeth Taylor. Yes. Yeah. Also. It's kind of like the thing in Batman Returns. Like, it's supposed to be a masquerade party, and she's not wearing a mask, and he's not wearing a mask. Art. And well, she's wearing a different type of mask. Right. Scott. That's what it's supposed to be. They're both masking themselves visually on the yeah, inside. Yeah, and he's behind a bar, but he's not a bartender. You know, I can that appreciate... Beautiful. Is that a Simon Garfunkel song? <laughs> I can appreciate the symbolism that they were going for there. Yeah, I get it. It still sucks. They're both trying to... Yeah, it's, it's just still sucks. And they don't have chemistry. No. No one... The only person who has chemistry in this movie is Al Pacino has chemistry with everyone. But that's because he's fucking Al Pacino. Yeah. Jared Leto tries so hard and it's like, oh, please, 100 feet, stay away from me. Yeah. So Patricia... Even when Maurizio's like, yeah, I, I want nothing to do with the Gucci, you know. Empire. Empire. Like yeah. And so she's like, oh, that's fine. And they play house for a little bit. And then the instant he gets the opportunity to come back into the fold, she jumps on it. Yeah. Yeah. It's literally like that office meme of. Dwight talking and Angela's right there and she says something he's like ah oh, where did you come from yeah yeah that's literally what it is it's that it's this whole movie is that meme yes because anytime someone's talking she just pops up and they're like ah oh, where did you come from Patricia <laughs> and she's like father son house of Gucci and so she you can tell during that entire party, she's watching all the relationships. She's watching all the dynamics and she's like, mm, how can I exploit every single one of these relationships? But she's really bad at reading social cues, which doesn't take a lot of work because honestly, these people all suck. They're all ready and waiting to screw each other over at a moment's notice. She just gives them the little push that they need. She's literally like, she, she's like the kid with the fork putting it right near the electrical socket. She's like, here, put this right in there, Jared Leto. <laughs> All you got to do is zip, zip, zip. <laughs> and Jared Leto, she doesn't take into consideration that he is such a live wire that he goes way too far. Yeah. Because like his solution is like, oh, I'm going to let my father know that I told the IRS. Yeah. Her long game doesn't work out for her no yeah or at least every ironically everything that she wants comes to fruition it's just that she's no longer a part of it right she's forced out the way she has forced other people out so we have um her and Maurizio and paolo all at once 
kicking out Aldo, who was responsible for, you know, if if his father, the founder of Gucci, founded Gucci, Aldo is the one who marketed it and yeah, turned and it into the success in that the, it became. In the late 20s, early 30s, he was the one who basically turned it around. Right. And then from there, it starts to flounder. But instead of finding a new way out, they're like, oh, we're just going to buy out Aldo. And by yeah. buy him out, we're going to send him to prison. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they find out uh, that he hasn't been paying taxes. And then uh, they all conspire to push him out. And then they realize that Paolo, you Did know. Did actually call the IRS when when he said his designs were bad. Yeah. And they also scheme... Well, Rodrigo dies. Yes. Rod- Rodrigo dies, leaves his shares to Adam Driver, but forgets to sign them. Mm. And then that's where... Hey, remember earlier when we said that she's good at forging stuff? Yep. Yeah. It all comes full circle. Yeah. And it turns out that... Jack Houston is the only character who's playing the long game in this movie that actually pays off. Yeah. Yeah, he's playing a very different long game. And it actually pays off for him because in the 90s, he ends up taking over Gucci. Yeah. Him him, and Reeve Carney as Tom Ford. Right. Yeah, I remember when... when uh, so Haley and I love Hadestown. And when Reeve Carney shows up, I'm like, oh, it's Orpheus. It took me a minute too because his hair is I don't know. long. Yeah. He's got the slick back yuppie look going for him. Yeah. And I just didn't see it at first at all. And I guess his his design saved Gucci because all Gucci was really missing was some assless chaps. Yeah. Honestly, I like I don't know anything about that line that particular line that did end up saving Gucci. But for what they showed in the film, I liked it. Well, the, the thing that came out of it the most was the, the iconic, famous, uh, slim fit Tom Ford suit. Yeah. Which is what he's most known for. I like a blazer. Yeah. Like if you watch any of the award shows, anytime you see a, like John Hamm in a black slim fit suit, it's mm. probably Tom Ford. Mm. That that's his style. That's his design. Yeah. And from there, it it just seems like, I guess my problem was Mauricio switches on a dime when he gets, you know, uh, it's revealed that it's Jack Houston who alerts the people that there was a forgery in the shareholds. Yeah. And as soon as he just drives his motorcycle in the snow to Switzerland, it's like, you know what? I'm going to have sex with someone else. I don't need to treat you. As soon as he crosses the Switzerland border, the transformation is complete. Yeah, it's so weird because... Cinderella becomes the pumpkin. Or as he says, a frog. Yes. She's like, it's a pumpkin, not a frog. Okay, you're gone. Yeah. (laughs) But, like, we don't really see any major de-escalation in his character. Like, we can see her being overbearing. We don't really see a toll on it with him until he goes skiing i almost said snowing until he goes skiing yeah and runs into his childhood sweetheart it just becomes cringe the movie after that yeah 
I mean, it was it was cringy before, but for very different reasons. Uh, like, for instance, when Patricia shows up at his college and he's like, oh, what are you doing here? And she's like, I'm considering going to this school, but, you know, I don't like to um, read. <laughs> do you think that was actually in the script or do you think that was Lady Gaga? <laughs> I, I honestly have no idea. Equally bad. <laughs> Equally bad all the way around. I just picture Ridley Scott being like, Stephanie, please call me Lady Gaga. Stephanie, please read the script. And then when she first meets Rodrigo and she sees a painting and she's like, ooh, that painting must have caused, uh, or uh, that painting must, must be have... worth a fortune. Thank you. <laughs> and the look on Jeremy Aaron's face when she says that is like, oh, I see. I see you. Yeah. Which... She's red flag the person. Yeah, and so when her and and Maurizio's relationship devolves, dissolves, devolves, dissolves. It's catching. Yeah, when it dissolves, it's contagious. <laughs> um, it takes place on Christmas. Yep, and they're like, uh, she's like, oh, Alessandra. They cut out an entire child. I just realized. Yes. We no, you realized that last night. Yeah, but now with the mics on, I can say it out loud. Um, <laughs> no, they they had two children. They had the children don't matter, Scott. <laughs> All that matters is the betrayal and the money. I just need to know: was it Alessandra who got the Teddy Ruxpin, or was it Allegra? I need to know these things. No, but but uh, Patricia is like, this is from mommy and daddy. Like she's trying to nail home that they're still together. Yep. And his, when gift... she, yeah. When she's struggling to hold on to this relationship that she's, you know, worked to build over the years. And we find out that their relationship is going to end because what does he get her for Christmas? He gets her a blue, like, I think it's a Bloomingdale's. It's gift a card. Bloomingdale's gift card. And she's like, I never shop there. Maybe you like, should well, there's start. a first time. Yeah, maybe you should start. There's a first time for everything. Ooh. <laughs> Sending that message loud and clear. Ooh, douchebag. <laughs> Man. Things aren't going to get easier. Thank you. You knew exactly where I was going with that. But from there, like, she starts struggling and she spins. Like a oh, whirling okay. dervish. Okay. When we say struggling, she still has a really nice apartment. She is still living in the lap of luxury. He has made it clear, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to take care of our daughters. You will want for nothing. Yeah, but... But she... Yeah. Patrizia was legitimately, from the research we did, she was legitimately obsessed with Maurizio from the get-go. Mm -hmm. Like, full-on stalker, dateline. Like, where is Keith Morrison when you need him? Full-on snapped. <laughs> she had seances in her home that scared the crap out of her staff. And apparently one of those people that she had seances with was arrested with her. Yeah. Helped her get a hitman. Played this by is... Salma Hayek. Right. Salma Hayek, who... Is like I just I can't get over the image of her conspiring to kill her husband in a mud bath <laughs> in a mud bath in a spa and she's dressed in a robe that probably costs more than you know uh, this house or all of my wardrobe combined. Well, 
And she's just like, you know, I I built I built this empire. I built this empire. I I built Maurizio from the ground up. I made him what he is. And it's like, honey, you're at like a ten thousand dollar a day spa. Yeah. And I, I love in the scene that that uh what's her name? Salma Hayek is just like taking the mud and just throwing it on herself. Yeah. <laughs> That's the most expensive looking mud I've ever seen. <laughs> and, and she's like you can't be serious. And she's like, I am serious. See how serious I am? And then she takes mud and puts it on her face. Don't you face. know, Scott, that that mud is war paint. <laughs> she's going to war <laughs> to save her marriage. Well, after she... And by ha- save it, I mean gun him- it down in the streets. Well, after he dies, that's when she later finds out that he has no monies. Yeah, I mean... Remember? Yeah. He had no money. He was hemorrhaging money right. that they offered to buy him out. Yeah, the for business partner. The business partner that they brought on. Yep, Angelica Houston's nephew. Yeah. And initially I thought it was just that they were giving him a taste of his own medicine. That they're just like, meh, you know, we don't really need this guy. And then as they're talking, it's like, no, he is single handedly crippling his own business. Yep. Um he has become the monster that Patrizia created. He is reveling in his own wealth. If someone was like, we'll give you $150 million, all you have to do is walk away and be like, great, I'm going to find a small town. Will I'm that gonna... be cash or credit? <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find a small town. I'm going to become mayor and make it feel like the 1990s. You know, some people are just genuinely bad at being rich. And I think if I was given the opportunity... <laughs> <laughs> I think if I was given the opportunity, you know, I would be just darling at it. But, but like, they offered him $150 million. That shows you how bad with money he is because he's like, no, I'm going to spend this in a week. I'm going to be like the kid from Blank Check. Yep. I'm going to buy all the cars, all the suits. I can't even remember the list of the, like, all the things he bought. He, he had a $3,000 watch. I'm sorry, does that make paninis? <laughs> like Oh. And it's very easy to say as people who will likely never be that rich. Yes. That that is absolutely insane. Mm-hmm. But there are people with that kind of money and they go out and they buy those kinds of things every day. On oh. Hello, Stella. <laughs> what do you want to add, Stella? Yeah, what do you want to add? Is there something you would you would like to say no oh <laughs> oh okay okay yeah. that was weird but <laughs> but like he all he had to do was walk uh, away that was stella giving her input which was um tax the rich <laughs> i think she was saying what we were all thinking of this movie yeah woof yeah woof <laughs> but but when she hires she hires two guys one of them looks like Kevin Nealon from SNL. And then the other guy is just like Paul Giamatti. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, you you want us to, to do the job? That's going to be 600 million lira, which I translated that to. It's $43 million. Which sounds about right, honestly. But also, she doesn't have that money. As I said, if you get a cheap hitman, 
You're either getting an idiot or a cop. <laughs> so you're saying she should have been like, are you a cop? You have to tell me if you're a cop. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you have to tell me. <laughs> you have to help me catch what moose are and these squirrel. Words? What are these words you are saying? Moose and squirrel. Tell That's... me. Look me in the eye. She literally is Natasha Badenoff because she wants to catch moose and squirrel. Yes. And they refer to him as a moose. They Italian refer, moose and squirrel. They which... refer to Maurizio as the little moose. So she literally wants to get moose and squirrel. Mm. Who's the squirrel? Alto? No, Paula. His Paolo. The new girl. Paula? Paolo? Paola. Uh Yes. There's... Oh, is it because she's after his nuts? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> moose and squirrel. Oh, and he... Oh. The thing that I can't get over that he bought, he bought a lipstick, a couch that looked like lips. Yeah, that was big in the 80s. It was. Uh, You've never seen How do you lay on that couch? You don't. My two dads, my two dads, they had that couch. They also had a couch that looked like a (laughs) choo-choo. The 80s. Man. Some boys want race car beds and then they grow up to want couch lips <laughs> oh god that sounds terrible that sounds like an awful 80s 80s rock band couch lips yeah coming up next to the stage couch lips <laughs> yeah but like all of the stuff they do to each other it, it comes out of left field in the end yeah like, honestly, once again, she should have, each scene after he, he asked for a divorce, she should have done, like, a comical cartoon thing. Like, he's walking down the street, and she has a giant safe, and she's about to drop it on him. An air conditioner. <laughs> like, like she's just... She just goes up into some random woman's apartment and is like, excuse me, I need to... Excuse <laughs> Do you have an AC unit in your home? Because, like, everything she I will does... be around at 3.30. There will be a man walking underneath... Do not listen to the screams. <laughs> Everything sounds like the plot of a cartoon. After, like the entire movie is is a cartoon, a really bad cartoon. Yep. I I didn't hate the scene where she's uh, going toe to toe with his soon to be mistress. There, that was fine. That's probably the clip that I'm going to use to open up. I... <laughs> Just. Where she's like, I, oh, I'm teaching my daughter about not stealing things that don't belong to her. Well, the look on that actress's face was like, uh, Ridley, this wasn't in the script. Well, Lady Gaga has carte blanche. Just go with it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. It just goes, when it goes downhill, it really goes downhill. And um, the scene where she... She goes to his apartment. She's like, I tried calling. And he's like, yes. And you've been calling and calling and calling. And she pulls out this scrapbook. And she's like, look at this beautiful life that we created together. Honestly. I made this myself. I went to Michael's and I (laughs) bought all of the stickers. Do you like these ones? If you scratch them, they smell like grapes. And look, here's a Lisa Frank sticker. It's a kitty cat that also looks like a cheetah. 
<laughs> yes, yes, it's very nice. Get out of here. Honestly, he should have took that, and then they should have done a callback to earlier in the movie when Jared Leto pisses on And the... here's a piece of wood of the desk that we fucked on earlier. <laughs> yeah, they should have done a callback to when Jared Leto pissed on the scarf. He should have just been like, thank you, I'm taking this, and then it just cuts to him pissing on the scrapbook. <laughs> That's all this movie is, is people pissing on things. Which, that was... Did you see how long that scene was when Jared Leto was peeing on it? It was a two-minute scene of him peeing. Well, there's so many scenes in this movie where I was like, this is genuinely a wasted opportunity. Like, the scene where him and Aldo are just in the garage garage. looking for a car that's, like, literally right in front of him. I'm like, what is the fucking point? Like, genuinely. Do you know what I bet? I was thinking about that. I think... You can see, like, in some cases where, like, a director was just trying to say something in a scene. Like, even if you might I, not like it. I don't think that's what was happening. Even I, even if you might not like it, you can understand why it's there. I have no fucking clue why some of the shit is in this movie. I don't think Ridley Scott wanted that in there. I think that Jared Leto was just riffing. And because if you look at Pacino's face, he's like, for, for fuck's sake, the car's right here. <laughs> like, but, like, you just because somebody is riffing, you don't need to include everything. It's it's like it's like Jared Leto's like, come on, I I can be in a I can be in a Jet Apatow movie. Look, I can riff. But it's not funny. It doesn't make sense. It's a waste of film. I know. This entire movie is a waste of film. It's- no, I mean, I think the story is there. It's just for every right. good moment that they could have showcased, they picked a bad one. What they should have done is, oh my god, what? Who is uh, Craig Craig Gillespie, the guy who did I, Tanya and Pam and Tommy. He should have made this movie as a miniseries for Hulu. It would have been great. Mm. It would have been fantastic. Or HBO Max. Yeah. Craig Gillespie is the guy who can take these true crime stories and turn them into something watchable. Yeah. This film is unwatchable. Yeah. If we didn't have to do it for this free podcast that we send out to people. Yeah. <laughs> this would have been a nightmare. Uh, you know, there is the irony to going back to the relationship of Maurizio and Patrizia, where it, it, it's the case in real life, too, where an abuser will isolate you away from your friends and family. M- Patrizia does the exact opposite. Yeah. <laughs> she, she br- like, hand delivers him in a Gucci handbag to his, I don't want to say abusers because I, I believe she is the main yeah, abuser yeah. in this. Mm-hmm. Um, but but the, the family's toxic. Oh, oh, yeah. All together, they're all toxic. Yes. For very different reasons. Uh, obviously originating from the founder of Gucci himself. From what, I, from what little I know, he was not a good man. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe a smart businessman, maybe a smart craftsman. Horrible to to his children. Yes. And set in motion what would become... The evil empire. Yes. (laughs) These people are so radioactive that they could be an Imagine Dragon song. Boo. (laughs) (laughs) These people are so radioactive that they could be Imagine Dragons. It's getting worse <laughs> <laughs> but like the the entire movie is too okay we we stopped it at the two hour mark um 
because this movie was so long. I had oh, to. We ha- the- yeah, we had to take a break. I, we had to take a break. And I'm like, oh, my God. And you're like, what? I'm like, there's still an uh, 37 minutes left. And you're like, no. I'm like, what could they possibly have to talk about? And if I had read the book, I'd say that there's a lot they could have done. But they didn't. You know, the scene where Patricia, she, when she discovers the fakes that are being sold mm-hmm. in on, like on the black market. Yeah. Who is making this stuff? Who's allowing this to happen? As far as fakes go, they're pretty good. I mean, I'd, I'd buy them. <laughs> Don't be such a cretin. Don't call me a cretin, sweetie. That's not what I said. I asked you not to be one. This is serious. And you're laughing it off. At least it's my name on the mugs, not yours. This movie, I feel like, is an entire representation of that. Where, where Maurizio's like, these are very good. I would buy them. It's like, there is a good movie in here. There's a good shell. Mm-hmm. But it's not as authentic as it should be. No. I don't think they take care of the actual story. It doesn't capture the artistry that we would expect you would treat the story with. And, you know, this is why... And didn't Tom Ford say it was, like, pure agony watching this? Yeah, Tom Ford said that they got everything wrong. Like, Well, granted, he was brought on For the after... stuff he was there for, yeah. they said they got it wrong. Which... I always had a problem with that. Like, if someone has been there, do their story justice. Uh, Patrizia's character reminds me a lot of Anna Sorokin from Inventing Anna. Yeah. It's it's the same thing. It's a story based on a real woman who wormed her way into society and took advantage of the people around her and hurt people around her. Yeah. And in the case of Patricia, it ended in murder. Mm-hmm. And in the case of Anna Sororkin, it ended up with, you know, her cheating people out of millions of dollars. Right. And, but both of the directors, like Shonda Rhimes and Scott Ridley. Ridley Scott. Ridley Scott, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Scott Ridley. <laughs> uh, both of them cast too much of a sympathetic lens. Yeah. Onto Patricia and Anna. Yeah, and they both cast actresses who, the who are it girls. Yeah, they cast a Julia. You just get the sense that it's too much. (sighs) The spotlight on them is too bright, and it's it's delighting in its own uh, villainy. Yeah, I would say I was gonna use the word from uh, The Simpsons, delighting in its own crapulence. That works too, honestly. The, uh, you know, you you can just tell. You can tell they're leaning too far into the skid of villainy, and you know it is fun to be a villain. Yes, for actors and actresses alike. Mm-hmm. I I just feel like for these two characters, the scale has tipped in the direction of glorification, mm-hmm. and they're delighting in the villainy of these characters. Yeah. It's yeah. it's 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 too much fun to show these big baddies as they are. I mean, they turn them in both both 
shows, they turn them into Disney villains. Basically, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, in this one, she's definitely. It's one thing to show the reasoning behind what they do and the mo- like, why those motivations exist. But in this, we don't really get motivation. You just get the sense that both of these directors, Chandra Rhimes and Ridley Scott, yep, yep, not Scott Ridley, no, are delighting in the villainy of these characters. As someone who's met Ridley Scott, he's a very nice man. I just think he, when he gets the chance, they're like, you want to make a movie? He just likes making movies so much, he'll do anything. That's that's why he he makes over 30 movies in the course of like 20 years. Like, mm-hmm. he'll, he'll do it because he loves it. Whether or not... Well, he, if you love it, you're bound to get a gem every now and then. Yes, but... But... When you get 10 gems, you still have 29 other craps. Like Other craps? Yes. You want to try that again? Nope. <laughs> this film, for every it, gem, there are... For, for every 10 gems, there's 20 craps. This film is I shit. I thought you were going to say for every 20 gems, there's like... Coal? Yeah, coal. Yeah, no, it, this is shit. <laughs> Okay. This film is utter shit. Like I'm tired of talking about this movie. <laughs> is this is this a gem or is this a crap? This is this film is probably one of the most upsetting movies I've had to watch on this podcast. Really? Because, yes. Oh. I was not entertained. Are you sure you might want to <laughs> I'm literally I You might want to look back. I I am looking back. I think this is there with All Dogs Go to Heaven and like this is one of the worst films we've watched because I no one is likable. No one did the research. The The screenwriting is sloppy. Even the way they, they shot certain scenes. And it's just so boring at times. Also, it's almost three hours long. Like at, at a certain point, I mean, we had to take a break because it's like, you know, when you're watching something. And it just feels like you've been running a marathon and like you're just tired. <laughs> I wanted to watch that. You don't even know why because the movie's boring. It's not like your brain is like working hard or anything. You're just like tired. Yeah. And now I really wish that I watched that documentary, the animated documentary about the refugee. <laughs> like I really watch, wish I watched Flea instead. Well, there is time. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I've run out of stuff to say. Is there anything else you want to add? Nope. How many bagels? Uh, I mean, I want to say there's some moments that I enjoyed, I guess. Mm-hmm. I I did enjoy. Uh, Father, son, has a Gucci. <laughs> no, I enjoyed uh, what's his name's performance there. Oh, Al Pacino. Yeah, I enjoyed Al, Pac- Al Pacino's performance. I enjoyed... There were some moments with Patricia that I did enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'll give it, like, a three. Zero. Really? Zero. I, I fucking Nothing. Hate. Nothing redeeming. I'll give... I could give a bagel to Jack Houston, but I, I'm not I, going to... I like to. that Orpheus is in it. <laughs> I, I could give a bagel to, to a, the combination of Jack Houston and Reeve Carney in this, but I'm not going to. Aww. This film is one of the worst things I've seen in a while. Okay. 
And it makes me upset because a legendary director made it, but it's bad. I just like some of the over the top performances did make me chuckle. Mm. Jared Leto not being one of them. <sighs> he got nominated for Razzie. But yeah, so sweetie, thanks for doing this. You're welcome. Um, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook. Email us at writersbagelbasket at gmail.com. You can check out my other podcast, Hell is a Musical, on the Zero Science Network. We're on Twitter, Instagram, and now Facebook for that. And we have a email address for that, hellisamusicalpod at gmail.com. Until next time, I'm Scott Kerlin. Sweetie, thanks for doing this. You're welcome. Again. Bye. <laughs>